Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the Old Testament book of Daniel. We are currently in chapter 11 at verse 2. Hi, I'm Glendale Tony, and I'm glad you joined me today. Let's begin reading in verse 2 of chapter 11 in the book of Daniel, where it says this, And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings are going to arise in Persia, then a fourth will gain far more riches than all of them. As soon as he becomes strong through his riches, he will arouse the whole empire against the realm of Greece. And a mighty king will arise, and he will rule with great authority and do as he pleases. But as soon as he has arisen, his kingdom will be broken up and parceled out toward the four points of the compass, though not to his own descendants, nor according to his authority which he wielded. For his sovereignty will be uprooted and given to others besides them. Then the king of the south will grow strong, along with one of his princes who will gain ascendancy over him and obtain dominion. His dominion will be a great dominion indeed. After some years they will form an alliance and the daughter of the king of the south will come to the king of the north to carry out a peaceful arrangement. But she will not retain her position of power, nor will he remain with his power. But she will be given up, along with those who brought her in and the one who sired her as well as he who supported her in those times. But one of the descendants of her line will arise in his place, and he will come against their army and enter the fortress of the king of the north. And he will deal with them and display great strength. Also their gods with their metal images and their precious vessels of silver and gold he will take into captivity to Egypt. And he on his part will refrain from attacking the king of the north for some years. Then the latter will enter the realm of the king of the south, but will return to his own land. His son will mobilize and assemble a great multitude of great forces, and one of them will keep on coming and overflow and pass through, that he may again wage war up to his very fortress. The king of the south will be enraged, and go forth and fight with the king of the north. Then the latter will raise a great multitude, but that multitude will be given into the hand of the former. When the multitude is carried away, his heart will be lifted up, and he will cause tens of thousands to fall, yet he will not prevail. For the king of the north will again raise a greater multitude than the former, and after an interval of some years he will press on with a great army and much equipment. So then, in the previous episode, we had uh, concluded chapter 10 with actually the first verse of chapter 11, because uh, that particular time stamp 
type of sentence there uh, fits better, I believe, with the context of chapter 10 and with this uh, new context beginning with where the angel says, and now I will, I will tell you the truth. Because he's already said so earlier, he says, however, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of the truth. And that is exactly what we have here when we have predictive prophecy. Uh, many people do not believe in predictive prophecy, and they find ways of explaining the accuracy of these prophecies by inventing things like some other Daniel writing much, much later uh, in and uh, then uh, putting Daniel's name on it uh, because they just cannot conceive that the Spirit of God or the uh, work of God through, uh, in this case, an angel dictating these things to Daniel uh, could be so accurate 100, uh, 200 years or 300 years ahead of time. And yet uh, we believe that this is not only possible, but that is exactly what is presented to us here. And so he says, I will tell you the truth. And he says, three more kings will arise. And of course, he's talking about here uh, the the Persian Empire and the three kings that he's uh, speaking of here are uh, uh, actually known to us now, and uh, they have names, Cambyses, Pseudosmyrtus, uh, and uh, Darius Histraspus. And uh, then those three are followed by a fourth. That fourth king uh, we are mostly familiar with uh, in the scriptures. Uh, he is named uh, Xerxes I, uh, 486 to 465 B.C., but in the, uh, in the Bible that we're most familiar with, he's known by a different pronunciation of the same name, and that is Ahasuerus. And uh, that's Ezra chapter 4, verse 6, and Esther chapter 1, verse 1. And he tries to uh, uh, to do to uh, to go into battle against Greece, but the Greek navy wiped out the Persian fleet in the Battle of Salamis in 480 uh, BC. So then we have then this this uh, dominant uh, uh, Grecian Empire being now taken over uh, through the work of Alexander the Great. That that's the one we are most familiar with, of course, and that's who is highlighted here. A mighty king will arise, and he will rule with great authority and do as he pleases. And Alexander the Great was from 335 to 323 B.C. And then his kingdom is divided into four. Uh, points of the compass, it says here. Uh, but but it, these are not his descendants. These are not blood descendants. These are his four generals, and uh, they take control of the Greek empire. And uh, so... Um, that means that we are going to follow this this uh, pre-written history uh, primarily focused upon two of the sections of the Greek Empire. And those sections include the King of the South, which is the Ptolemy Empire of Egypt, as well as the King of North, which is the Syrian Empire. And uh, they are both concentrated on because these are the two parts of the Greek Empire that are most influential because they hold the power and the sway over uh, the uh, the nation of Israel, over the Jewish people that have returned after being exiled into Babylon and now resettling in the land, and yet they are being dominated by uh, Gentile empires. And... Uh, 
And so that's what this angel is revealing. The, the, the powers that be that are in control of the land of promise and, uh, and the people of God in that land. So what happens is, uh, uh, it says that they will. There will be an alliance. Uh, after some years, uh, there will be an alliance formed. The daughter of the king of the south will come to the king of the north to carry out a peaceful agreement. Well, that's an interesting uh, use of that phrase. But uh, what happened was. Uh, lady by the name of Bernice, uh, who was the daughter of of uh, the uh, one of the Ptolemies in the south, she married. Uh, Antiochus Theos of Syria, and uh, but uh, but that didn't last uh, real long. Uh, uh, it's it talks about the the beautiful land and the and the jewel uh, which is Jerusalem in verse twenty later on, and uh, so the the. Um, you kind of get the picture here that the the north and the south in this part of the Greek empire, the Seleucids and the Ptolemies are sort of like the Hatfields and the McCoys. And so they're hoping that uh, this is going to work out, but it doesn't work out uh, because... Uh, 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 because of this this arrangement, uh, Bernice actually and her her, her own uh, uh, son are uh, are murdered, and uh, and so this didn't uh, didn't carry forward uh, what they were hoped. Instead, uh, Bernice's brother took place uh, took uh, took the place of power in Egypt, and that would be uh, Ptolemy Eurgates, and. Uh, and that happened afterward. So then, th- this whole scenario is a part of building toward um, a particular leader later to come in chapter 11. Uh, and when it talks about verse 8, when it talks about uh, 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 also their gods and their metal images, or precious vessels of silver and gold, uh, and uh, he will take uh, into captivity to Egypt, and he on his part will refrain from attacking the king of the north. That means Eurgates uh, of Egypt uh, took, uh, according to the calculations of historians, 4,000 talents of gold, 40,000 talents of silver, and 2,500 idols he took on this particular campaign. And uh, um, so then it says in verse 10 that his sons will mobilize and assemble a multitude of great forces. Uh, what his sons are is, is the Seleucid sons, uh, that is, uh, uh, Saronis of Syria, as well as Antiochus the Great of, this, of Syria. They will pass through and they, that means they will attack Egypt unopposed. Uh, Ptolemy Philopater of Egypt, uh, just didn't give them much resistance. Uh, and, uh, uh, the fortress that they're talking about there in uh, verse 10 has to do with, uh, it was located in Gaza, and that's where Antiochus the Great took the throne at 18 years of age, by the way. And uh, But the, this didn't last very long because uh, nothing does. The king of the south will be enraged and go forth and fight with the king of the north. Then the latter will raise up uh, a great multitude, but that multitude will be given into the hand of the former. When the multitude is carried away, his heart will be lifted up, and he will cause tens of thousands to fall, yet he will not prevail. So, uh, uh, 
Ptolemy Philopater of Egypt fought Antiochus the Great of Syria and uh, defeated him in 217 BC at the Palestine border at uh, uh, Raphia is uh, where that took place. And then it says the king of the north will rise uh, a greater multitude than the former, and after an interval of some years, he will press on with a great army and much equipment. Well, this has to do with uh, uh, Antiochus Epiphan, uh, that is Antiochus the Great of Syria. He escaped from the battle at Raphia, and he returned 14 years later with greater forces. Uh, Ptolemy IV, Philopater of Egypt, and his queen uh, both die in 2003 BC, but they were survived by their son, Ptolemy V, Epiphanes of Egypt, and he reigned from 203 to uh, 181 BC. So for the king of the north will again raise a greater multitude than the former, and after an interval of some years, he will press on with a great army and much equipment. And so that's exactly what happened with Antiochus the Great. is uh, Antiochus the Third of Syria. So we find here, before we get into the second part of this episode, that this the kingdom of Greece has been divided into four parts, and those those four parts uh, uh, include the two, the king of the north, which is Syria, and the king of the south, which is Egypt. And the the leaders and the, the various uh, uh, things that go on between these two empires, or these two sections of the Greek empire, actually, uh, uh, influence the things that happen in Israel. And that's... Uh, that's what we find to be the case. If you uh, study the history of those things, if you go back to the Greek Empire and look it up in history books, you'll find these things transpiring exactly the way in which uh, the angel had given to Daniel uh, 200 years in advance at least. So we're going to uh, uh, take a break right now and we'll come back uh, with uh, verse 14 of chapter 11 and we'll we'll read the uh, the next part of this chapter and uh, finish off this episode Welcome back to the second half of this episode where we still find ourselves, of course, in Daniel chapter 11 at about verse 14. So we're going to start reading there. Verse 14, chapter 11 of the book of Daniel. Now in those times, many will rise up against the king of the south. The violent ones among your people will also lift themselves up in order to fulfill the vision, but they will fall down. Then the king of the north will come, cast up a siege ramp, and capture a well-fortified city. And the forces of the south will not stand their ground, not even their choicest troops. 
where there will be no strength to make a stand. But he who comes against him will do as he pleases, and no one will be able to withstand him. He will also stay for a time in the beautiful land with destruction in his hand. He will set his face to come with the power of his whole kingdom, bringing with him a proposal of peace which he will put into effect. He will also give him the daughter of women to ruin it. But she will not take a stand for him or be on his side. Then he will turn his face to the coastlands and capture many. But a commander will put a stop to his scorn against him. Moreover, he will repay him for his scorn. So he will turn his face toward the fortresses of his own land. But he will stumble and fall and be found no more. Then in his place one will arise who will send an oppressor through the jewel of his kingdom. Yet within a few days he will be shattered, though not in anger nor in battle. In his place a despicable person will arise, on whom the honor of kingship has not been conferred. But he will come in a time of tranquility and seize the kingdom by intrigue. The overflowing forces will be flooded away before him and shattered, and also the prince of the covenant. After an alliance is made with him, he will practice deception, and he will go up and gain power with a small force of people. In a time of tranquility, he will enter the richest parts of the realm, and he will accomplish what his fathers never did, nor his ancestors. He will distribute plunder, booty, and possessions among them, and he will devise his schemes against strongholds, but only for a time. He will stir up his strength and courage against the king of the south with a large army. So the king of the south will mobilize an extremely large and mighty army for war. But he will not stand, for schemes will be devised against him. Those who eat his choice food will destroy him, and his army will overflow, but many will fall down slain. As for both kings, their hearts will be intent on evil and they will speak lies to each other at the same table. But it will not succeed, for the end is still to come at the appointed time. Then he will return to his land with much plunder, but his heart will be set against the holy covenant, and he will take action, and then return to his own land. So then perhaps uh, it is good for us to remind ourselves uh, what uh, transpired uh, before in the uh, verses that led up to verse 14 of this second part of this episode, because 14 says, Now in those times many will rise up against the king of the south. The violent ones among your people will also lift themselves up in order to fulfill the vision, but they will fall down. So if 14 says that, we need to uh, remind ourselves that verse 13 has left us with the with Antiochus the Great, that is Antiochus the Third, uh, the Great of Syria, and he escaped the Battle of uh, Raphia and returned fourteen years later with a with greater forces. And um, uh, Ptolemy the Fourth, Philopater of Egypt, and his queen both die in two thousand and three B.C. But Ptolemy the Fifth, Epiphanes of Egypt, uh, reigned from two thousand and three to one eighty one B.C. And so that is currently the king of the South that uh, they're dealing with here when he talks about the violent ones. Um, 
uh, from among your people. Well, of course, he's talking about Daniel's people. Those, these are Jewish people. And according to the Jewish historian Josephus, he speaks of these uh, as wicked Jews who helped Antiochus uh, the Great. Uh, and uh, uh, Philip V of Macedonia also joined in on this fight. Uh, and it says that uh, the king of the north will uh, come, cast up a siege ramp, and capture a well-fortified city. Well, that particular city we know from history to be the city of Sidon. And uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, you're familiar with uh, Tyre and Sidon. They're kind of twin cities, uh, even though they're not necessarily back-to-back with each other. But they're considered sometimes in the same sentence together in uh, biblical references. But Sidon was a uh, fortified city that they conquered. And it says that uh, he will also stay some time or for a time in the beautiful land. And of course, that's referring to the nation of Israel. Now, of course, there's other lands that are beautiful, and yet uh, this has a context. The context is dealing with the Jewish people and the Jewish land of promise and God's land that he gave to the Jewish people. But are, but now they have been overrun by Gentile empires and that have uh, that basically... Uh, uh, that whole series has now lasted for three empires, the Babylonian and the Persian, and now um, there is this prophecy of the uh, Greek empire overrunning the nation of Israel and occupying uh, that land. And yet there are these skirmishes that are occurring back and forth between uh, the Syrian section of the Greek empire and the Egyptian uh, division. And so when it refers to such thing as the beautiful land or even the jewel of the kingdom uh, down in verse uh, 20, uh, we believe he's speaking not just of the uh, 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 Judea itself, but possibly even that's a reference to Jerusalem, the capital city, even though it wasn't a capital of anything at the time, and yet the Jewish people would have recognized it as being the jewel in the beautiful land. So it says that... that uh, Antiochus the Great um, subjected Israel uh, in the beautiful land. And then there's this proposal of peace that in verse 17, it's a treaty that was between Antiochus the Great and of Syria and Ptolemy V Epiphanes of Egypt, 198 to 195 BC. And notice what it says. It says a proposal of peace, and he will put it into effect, and he will also give him the daughter of women to ruin it. What's interesting is that uh, uh, earlier in this uh, same chapter, it just referred to uh, a mighty king of, of Greece will arise with great authority and will do as he pleases. Well, come to find out, uh, according to uh, uh, historians today, we call that fellow Alexander the Great. Well, guess what? This woman uh, who called at this point um, uh, the daughter of women in verse 17, that happens to be the one that we would recognize as being Cleopatra. Uh, she married Ptolemy V Epiphanes of Egypt in 192 BC, and uh, he was only uh, 10 years of age at the time. And so this was going to be the ploy of putting uh, Cleopatra there uh, as sort of an ally. And yet, and yet what the angel reveals to Daniel 200 years in advance is that that's not going to work. Why? Because this this dear this lady has a mind of her own, and she sides with her husband of all things, and against her uh, uh, her uh, her father. And uh, 
says he will uh, turn his face to the coastlands and capture many, but the commander will put a stop to his scorn against him. Um, so uh, it, it doesn't work out that uh, he, he works, uh, that she works in his favor. So it says uh, this commander happens to be, as, as it turns out, we, we now know this commander's name because his name is uh, Lucius Scipio Asiaticus of Rome, and he defeated Antiochus the Great of Syria in Thermoplay in 191 BC, also at Magnesia in 190 BC. So these things are now famous to us because we've uh, studied these things in history and uh, uh, read books and had movies made about them, but it was proposed by this angel to Daniel 200 years in advance. And so it says that uh, so then he will turn his face to the fortresses of his own land, but he will stop stumble and fall and be found no more. So what happens is this Roman general, uh, Lucius, he's also known uh, as Cornelius, uh, he was trying to plunder the uh, uh, the temple of ba- uh, Belus, that is, is what I'm trying to say, the temple of Belus in Elimus, uh, and he was mobbed by his own people, and he was killed there. So uh, that didn't go very well for him. Now in verse 20, we find, then in his place will arise one who sinned an oppressor, uh, uh, through the jewel of his kingdom. This particular person is uh, Seleucus IV, Philopater of Syria. He, w- he was uh, reigning when, from uh, 187 to 176 BC, and he had a nickname. He was called the Tax Raiser, uh, and he evidently uh, did some taxing in the jewel of the kingdom, that is, in Jerusalem. And within a few days, he will be shattered. So, that meant he his power didn't last so long. Uh, his tax collector, his uh, that his name was uh, Helidorus, and uh, he eventually ended up poisoning his boss Philopater. So that's the way that happened. And this this thing sort of uh, turns out to be sort of like a a series, like a t- uh, a series on TV or or uh, the internet, uh, where you follow this epic journey of all this power play between various uh, kings and their and uh, their uh, uh, queens, and 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 so it says. It says, uh, in his place, a despicable person will arise. So that uh, this now sets the stage for this next Antiochus. And uh, this is the person that you might call the Antichrist of the Old Testament. Uh, Some people might pronounce his name Antiochus. But notice that he will come in uh, a time of tranquility. And he's not one that actually inherits the throne. Instead, he devises a way for him to gain the throne even during peacetime. And it says then... That, uh, that this power was not conferred upon him. He just took it by intrigue and by, by subterfuge, uh, so to speak. Uh, Antiochus IV Epiphanes reigned in Syria from 175 to 163 BC. And uh, he uh, strictly enforced the Hellenization of Israel. He prohibited the reading of the Jewish scriptures, even burned any copy he found of the Hebrew uh, scripture. He looted the temple in 169 BC. He killed 80,000 Jewish people. uh, And then he demolished the city walls of Jerusalem, all in 169 BC. And this guy has more to his career, which we are about to find 
find out later. Uh, and it is all filled with intrigue, including distributing the plunder. And that meant he spread out the booty of his, of his battles uh, among the citizenry in order to buy their loyalty. And uh, uh, in the meantime... We have uh, the king of the south uh, changing places with, with various uh, 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 of those Ptolemy uh, rulers, and uh, yet Antiochus Epiphanes is still in place, and we are going to find out more about what happens, because it says, but his heart will be set, this is uh, verse 28, his heart will be set against the holy covenant. That means uh, uh, the high priest was killed, by the way, the the prince of the covenant, according to uh, the passage earlier. And so this guy has set himself against not only the Jewish people, but against their religion. And uh, he he has spread this this miniature holocaust, although if you were involved in it, it wouldn't be considered to be miniature at all. And uh, yet he was so anti-Semitic and he was so anti-Jewish and anti uh, the God of the the scriptures, the God of the Jewish people, that uh, he set himself uh, up as as a, being an enemy of them, and that's exactly what we have. What's interesting is in chapter eleven, verses one through four covers like. 200 years of history. Uh, In verses 5 through 20 of chapter 11 covers about 130 years of history, but in verses 21 through 35 covers about only 10 years of history. So we have a lot ahead of us. So may God bless you as you continue to study God's Word. You can put the Bible's prophecy right up next to our history books and discover that things that were revealed to Daniel 200 years in advance uh, worked out the, the very way in which it was predicted. And now we find ourselves on the heels of this ruler called Antiochus Epiphanes uh, of Syria. So we're going to continue on in the next episode. Father, thank you for these moments together in your word. May your word be confirmed not only to our hearts but to our minds so that we know you, so that we can walk with you, so that we can depend upon you saying the things that are true and depend upon walking with you because they are true. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Glendale Tony.